Hello and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we ran in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, Rob Richard makes the long trip down 90 from Little Falls, New York, to share some stories of learning and finding perspective in running. Rob is a lifelong runner who lives in the charming city of Little Falls, New York. We'll hear more about that later. He ran his first ultramarathon in 2015 and has since finished over 20 endurance races, including Bear 100, Georgia Death Race, four times, four times in that thing, uh, UTMB, uh, and a first place finish at the Endurance Society Infinis 100 Miler. I can't even say Infinitus. Uh, <laughs> Last year, he successfully completed a winter crossing of the Great Range, which is a big favorite of lots of folks here in Rochester. Um, and uh, Rob is the captain of a running club he founded, the Rock City Runners. And he's very active in his community, serving on boards of two nonprofits as well as two city boards. He also has like a job too, so which is, this is all crazy. <laughs> so um, I'm in, very interested to learn about that. Uh, and with that, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of runners just like you. Hey, Rob. How you doing, Chris? I'm all right. Thanks for uh, making the trip. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I feel really honored to be on the podcast, so I was really excited to get that email. I appreciate that. Uh, it's uh, it's nice to hear some good words. So you drove two and a half hours down the down the road. Yeah, yeah, down the road. Not too bad of a trip, you know. Traffic isn't that bad. Mm-hmm. I'm right off the thruway. You're mm-hmm. right off the thruway, so it's really yeah. not that bad of a trip. Yeah. So what do you listen to on long car rides? Um, it all depends. Uh, usually, uh, audio book, or if I get kind of bored with that, I switch over to public radio or start playing some music off my phone. You yeah, know, I kind of mix it up. This time, it was actually uh, uh, the Howard Stern show. Yeah, uh, him interviewing uh, Paul McCartney. So okay, yeah, that was so, worth the listen. There you go. I um I used to listen to a lot of audio books, and uh, that switched over to podcasts. Oddly, oddly enough, yeah. Um, but I find it, I don't like listen to much music anymore. So people ask me when I listen, if I listen to music when I run and I'm like, I, if I do, it's from like 2001, <laughs> you know, it's all yeah. old music. <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah, with that intro that I mentioned, uh, I meant UTMB. Yeah. Um, so did you watch that this past weekend? So I did. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say I camped out in front of my computer and watched it like, you know, 24 seven. Um, but, um, I did have a friend who was in the race, so I wanted to make sure to check up on him. And of course I'm interested to see what's going on with the, the leaders of the sport. Um, so yeah, I was, every few hours I was kind of checking in, watching a little bit of the live TV feed on, uh, uh, I run far yeah. and, uh, yeah, it was a exciting race. Uh, great news for the U S women yeah. with, uh, Courtney Dahlwalter taking first place, which is, you know, amazing. Yeah, only seven minutes behind Schlarb, which yeah. is crazy. Yep. Uh, so you, you had a friend in the race? Yeah, uh, a friend, uh, TJ, from down in uh, Georgia. We met at the Georgia Death Race, actually. Oh, uh, very cool. Um, so he was towing the line over there. And, uh, yeah, I was thinking about, you know, it's kind of like going back in time. The whole, I kept seeing these updates on Twitter and Instagram of like, oh, the race is 48 hours away. It's 24 hours away. The race is today. And 
uh, you know, I was remembering a lot about like what it was like last year for me to have all those feelings. Right. And you ran it in, in 2018. Um, so the coverage was really still what it is today, right? Yeah. The, the people following on the mountain bike yeah. and then the running and then the rollerblades and yeah. then the, the drones and everything. I saw a like few that. helicopters. I don't know if that was part of the coverage or like a news helicopter or yeah. what. I mean, there weren't too many people following me. But, yeah, I saw <laughs> later that there was a lot of the, um, yeah, bikes and people running. I got to hand it to the guys trying to keep up with, like, Killian and Walmsley. Yeah. Like, that, that can't be easy. Yeah, and I always just wonder what that's like. You know, I went out to Western States and I saw all the people on handy cams and yeah. chasing everybody around. And that's, I mean, it's cool to to not be there and be seeing it. Yeah, it feels a little bit weird being there and, and seeing, seeing it. Right, you know. <laughs> it's kind of like that fourth wall's removed and yeah, yeah, yeah. And you see the cameras and you're like, hmm, it's. It, but it is. It's a huge event. Yeah. It's not a little day in the woods. No. Let's, let's face it, right? Like, well, and I think the the, the technology especially, um, ha, I think it should also make people realize, like, how possible a Olympic ultra could be. Because, mm-hmm. you know, in order for it to be in the Olympics, for better or for worse, it's got to be good TV. Mm-hmm. But I think when you see some of that coverage of drones following runners through the mountains and stuff, I think a lot of people would find that pretty exciting. Right. Especially in some of uh, you get to see some of the cooler trails that yeah. you wouldn't normally get to. Yeah. And somewhere like, I mean, Rocky Raccoon or something like that, where it's 25 mile loops, <laughs> right. it's, it's all central. Right. You know, you could. Uh, or I think of I think of places in the Adirondacks where it might be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. But there are definitely courses where sure. we could get. We could get it. Sure. So, okay, aside from that, uh, you went to UTMB. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, I know. I, st- I can still hardly believe I went to UTMB. Um, when I first started running ultras, I never would have thought I ended up there. It just seemed like something impossible. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I earned my points. Um, and actually, I earned my points before I even figured out that I earned my points and somebody else kind of pointed it out to me. And I was like, they said, Oh, you must have enough points for UTMB. I was like, Oh, maybe I should check that out. (laughs) And then, yeah, sure enough, I had the points. So, um, I, my coach at the time, uh, you know, I talked to him about it and he said, well, if you got the points and you can afford to go, I mean, you should, you should go. So, um, I put my name in the lottery. Um, I should say that the, the way I qualified was, uh, the rules have changed uh, or are changing. I don't remember if they changed. I don't think they changed for this year, but you needed 15 points. I got 10 point or uh, six points from the Bear 100 and then two of the Georgia Death Races, uh, an additional 10 points. Um, and then I got in the lottery. And then, you know, that day I'm just looking for that email, looking for that email, refresh, refresh. And there it was uh, that I was going to France. Um, so started training really hard. Um, I think I climbed in like maybe the eight, nine months leading up to the race. I climbed about 350,000 feet in training. Um, sometimes just picking a hill in little falls and running up and down it, which isn't too hard to do. Uh, there's a lot of hills there. That's uh, how did you train for UTMB? I picked a hill (laughs) in a town called little falls. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've got tons of hills, so you can easily get, um, a lot of elevation, uh, and some days I just couldn't make it up to the Adirondacks to train. So I'd have to kind of make do with whatever was there, uh, using a stair climber, sometimes treadmill cranked up, you know, whatever I had to do to kind of 
get that done. Um, and yeah, the going over to UTMB, I got there, I think like seven, eight days before the race. Um, and just, I wanted to hang out in advance of the race. I thought maybe after the race, I might just want to go home. <laughs> you know, I didn't know how well I'd be walking or, you know, I didn't want to plan some kind of mountain trip or something like that. Um, <clears throat> but the village of Chamonix, where the race starts and finishes, dur- leading up to the race and during the race, you kind of feel like you're in an Olympic village. Um, the entire town just seems to be dedicated to the series of races because, of course, there's UTMB, but all those other, the CCC and, and whatnot. Um, there's just signs everywhere, runners everywhere, crowded. Um, so it was really exciting to be there as one of the runners, um, not someone watching this great race, but actually being in it. Like this is all here for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually, I ran into Ryan Sands. He was, uh, just sitting on a bench with his wife and kid. I got to meet him, uh, which was kind of amazing. Um, so yeah, I just felt like this is where all the great runners are this, this week. Uh, mm-hmm. and this is amazing to be able to line up way behind them, but same starting line, <laughs> same place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, the, like you said, when there's a spectacle there everywhere, and you know we see all the coverage with UTMB and mm-hmm. um, the cameras and everything. Did you did you see those? Did you feel that? Were you kind of like, oh, why are these cameras here? <laughs> or did it add to it for you? I think it really added to it. Um, and I would say more than that. Uh, you know, you're. I got to the starting line maybe like an hour before the race started. And of course it starts at 6 PM, which is, you know, sort of unusual. But, um, I would say in addition to that was just the fans. I mean, you know how ultras normally are. It's like, (laughs) Oh yeah, there's my brother over there. And you know, it's just like a random assortment of like family, boyfriends, girlfriends, like someone's buddy who got talked into helping, um, very sparse crowd. This was, you know, people had the, like those foam air filled things that you bang together, cowbells, Um, right even before the race started, like the, the spectators were just fantastic. So you really felt like you were like a celebrity. I know they were, and you know, they really were cheering for everybody during the, during the whole race. Uh, anytime I came into a town or something, the spectators were cheering for me. Like I was like winning the race, which was an amazing feeling. That's cool. What's the what's the starting uh, porta potty situation at? It's pretty gross. Um, you yeah, you got to be. That might be one of the toughest parts of the races. If, if you have to go into that porta potty before uh, before the race starts, it is not a pretty sight. It's not a pretty smell. <laughs> it's something to avoid if at all possible. There's there's how many people in the race? Uh, roughly twenty six hundred, I, I think. Was, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's not going to be a good no. Scene. And everyone's getting there early. So, yeah, you're not just uh, running out there like 10 minutes before the race. No. So is the course all very remote? I know you go to there like the refugios, and but in between there, there's nothing, right? Yeah, it's pretty remote in places. Um, and, you know, more or less, you're, you're kind of like winding through the Alps. Obviously, you're going from France to Italy to Switzerland back to France. Um, and you're kind of like going up into the... Alps and then you dip down back into like a village where there's an aid station or maybe they've just set up an aid station in certain points um, 
and there are some parts of the course I can't remember. <laughs> and of course, at night, you know, you feel really remote. But yeah, there there are times when, especially when you're climbing up some of those peaks, um, that you know, all you can see is maybe a couple of other runners. And at night, maybe they've got like a tiny aid station at the top, almost like an emergency aid station. Um, but it's it was an interesting contrast to be like up there kind of in the middle of nowhere and then drop into a this quaint little like Swiss village or Italian village um, and get some like sausage and cheese and chocolate and then, then so head cool. right back up. I mean, you literally just go back up. <laughs> that sounds so cool. And it's it's mostly rugged rocks, alpine, all exposed, right? You're not really in a tree, uh, like forested setting much, right? Yeah, you, definitely a lot different than running in the Adirondacks. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Although I would say the trails themselves are probably more runnable than things uh, in the Adirondacks. I think the Alps probably drain better than the Adirondack Park, which isn't hard to do. <laughs> um, but most of it, uh, other than the fact that you had to do so much climbing, uh, the terrain itself was very runnable, I felt. Um, so that part made it, anytime you hit like a good downhill or you were on some straightaway, you could really um, make up some time, which was fun mm-hmm. to be able to really do some running up there in the Alps. <clears throat> yeah. So um, do you have a particular highlight that stands out to you or maybe even two, but do you have a, a moment that like crystallizes your yeah. UTMB? Um, I think I think there's a couple moments. Um, one was uh, during the race, um, probably I guess it was probably about 32 hours into the race for my race. Other people were already done, <laughs> but um, uh, it, it was like maybe two o'clock in the morning on Sunday, and I was heading out of an aid station and going up and back up into the mountains. It was dark, you know. I had my headlamp on and. Um, just kind of like focused on what's in front of me. And then I just remember I got so tired. Like I never wanted to sleep so badly in my life. And I looked up to towards the top of the peak and I could see these little headlamps way up there, you know, and the peak just seemed like it was a million miles away from me. And then all of a sudden uh, everything got really bright and all over the ground I saw these little stones, flat stones, and uh, they had the image of either Jesus or the Virgin Mary on them. And I was convinced that what I was looking at was true. And I was like kneeling down, looking at them. I was looking for other runners to tell them like, hey, did you look at these stones? These are amazing, you know? So um, after a while, it I kind of was like, I don't think, I think I'm hallucinating. <laughs> um, so I kind of like, you know, knocked some sense into myself and... Um, kept running but trying to get to the next aid station but I couldn't remember the name of the race I kept forgetting why I was there I thought I was in the Adirondacks so I just kept repeating my to myself you're in UTMB get to the next aid station you're in don't talk to anybody they're gonna think you're crazy pull you off the course um I finally made it to the next aid station and drank like a pot of coffee and then I was good for the rest of the race I didn't like get loopy um but when I was leaving uh, France and unpacking my vest, I found four rocks in my <laughs> vest. So I must have picked up these rocks, thinking I got to take these home. Right, you and know, no Virgin Marys. On <clears> yeah, them there was nothing them. on them, of oh, course. Bummer. Um, so I had. Have you ever run Oil Creek? Uh, it's funny. Is I'm pacing somebody at Oil Creek this year. No, okay. so I've no, I have not run it. No. All right. Well, last year, as I was in my 
wanderings of my 22-hour 100K, which I don't wish on anybody, <laughs> um, as I'm going through the walk on the last part of the course, the last loop, there were a whole bunch of little smooth stones oh, all over the place. I better not do that race. <laughs> and they had all little sayings on them. Like somebody had painted a bunch of stones and they had like Oil oh. Creek, I can, I will, or, you know, you're super yeah. strong. Yeah, yeah. And they had all these like motivational sayings all littered for maybe a quarter of a mile on the course. Nice. So when I was reading your blog entry, I'm like, ooh, I'm, if he sees this without <laughs> without being warned. Yeah, I'm going to flip out. I'm like, not again. <laughs> yeah, so it was really cool. And actually, I, the, I was like, man, you know, I really should get one of these, but I don't, you know, I don't want to take them. And then yeah. somebody uh, down at the end, she was like taking pictures. She's like, did you get a rock? <laughs> and I, I was like, no, they're for the runners. And she goes, yeah, that's you. Yeah, you're a I, runner. I, like, <laughs> I put them there for you. <laughs> okay. That's okay. good. So, yeah, I ended up getting one, and so I got it under the desk out there. Nice. But, yeah. Um, did you keep one of your you stones, I did. One of your stones, yeah, I, right? I kept one of them. I've got it next to, like, my medals and yeah. other race paraphernalia. So, yeah, I call right. it the Jesus Rock. Yeah, right. Yeah. So so your your freak out is your really lasting memory from UTMB. Yeah, that and I would say um I still distinctly uh clearly remember um climbing the last peak uh to the finish, which happened to be while the sun was rising in the Alps on the on uh Sunday morning, uh which was just amazing. So yeah. I'm coming up uh, La Flerge and uh just looking out um, at these snow-capped mountains as the sun comes up, knowing I can see the aid station, knowing I hit that aid station, then I go downhill. And everybody in that aid station was like, it was like we won the lottery. Because like at this point, even if you're walking it in, we knew we were going to make it. So there were lots of like high fives and hugs from people who couldn't even speak each other's language. Um, but I didn't stay long. I was like, I'm getting this thing done. And I was luckily able to run most of the eight kilometers down uh, to the finish line, was able to finish pretty strong at like a eight-minute pace or something like that, partially just high on adrenaline. Yeah. Uh, and I'll never forget coming into Chamonix like 8.30 Sunday morning, maybe 200 yards in the finish. And again, those fans, they're out at that time. And your bib has your name on it. So they're, uh, they're yelling my name, Ale, Ale, Rob, you know, all mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. You, I, you know, they're like this. It's like the Tour de France. They're like right on top of you. And it just felt amazing yeah that's know? really cool it's like if you could finish every race like that <laughs> that'd be great <laughs> yeah awesome man well yeah i was watching uh on the coverage scott hawker um he finished third and uh he finished with his daughter and yeah. his daughter was crushing it like, yeah she's little and she was just running the whole and i'm like look at her go yeah you know that was one of the cool things to see so i would watch some of the other people come in from the other races that week and lots of times they'd be pick, you know picking up their kids near the finish running with them couples finishing together holding hands just yeah. like super inspiring to be able to do that to have mm -hmm. your family see you do that i think it's yeah. great for kids to see their parents mm -hmm. do something that difficult that challenging yeah. um, just like a really great role model so yeah it was it's a good scene out there i guess yeah yeah so um, we'll change gears. You accidentally earned your point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you said you, um, started running in 2015. Well, I started running well, ultras. You started running yeah. ultras in yeah. 2015. I had been running, you know, since high school. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, off and on. I do the odd marathon every now and then. Um, and then <clears throat> maybe around 2013, 2014, I started seriously getting into um, half marathons. It was just a distance I picked, and I would, like, travel around and do these. And then um, I decided that I wanted to try to do a trail marathon. This was around June of 2015, I guess. And um, <clears throat> I knew John Geisler a little bit. Um, I don't know. Some of your audience probably knows John. Um, John is, uh, like, a, an ultramarathon legend, um, in a he's, a, he's in another category. Yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, just uh, just this past week, he finished his uh, whatever t- number of times he's done this race, the six days under the dome out mm-hmm. in uh, Wisconsin, I think it is, um, and did like almost 400 miles, I think. And he's done something like 10,000 miles total at that race over the years. Um, but John is a legend. He lives about 10 miles from me and – it's common for people to ask, like, who's that guy with the long hair running in Dickie's work pants on the side of the road? And, uh, you know, he looks like he just – he's got this long flowing gray hair, always has a green bandana in, no watch, no fancy gear, nothing. Um, and he's a, he's done, like, the Vermont 100, like, 25 times. He's just, like – if you look him up on Ultra Sign Up, you'll just be amazed. You're going to need, yeah. like, 20 minutes to get through that. Yeah. Um, one of his big races is uh, Across the Years. Yeah. I think he's yeah. done that, like, pretty much every, every year. year. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's, like, across the decades at this point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, he's, and he's not just, like, participating. He's winning. This. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. He's running – 400 miles across the years. Yeah, definitely. Um, He's got, especially when he was a little bit younger, he was a real threat at pretty much any race that Mm -hmm. he showed up to. Um, So I emailed him and just said, hey, I'm thinking of doing a trail marathon like maybe next year. I'm going to take a whole year to train for it. So I'm wondering if you can give me some advice. And he said, he wrote back, he said, "Uh, sounds good. How about we meet this Saturday, 5 a.m., my house, and we'll go out on the Northville Lake Placid Trail and, and run. And I said, okay. I mean, I was just looking for some advice, but I, you, you don't turn that down. Um, so I met him, and we, uh, since he wasn't wearing a watch, I turned my watch on but put it in my pocket, didn't want to, you know, mm-hmm. figured I'd let the master lead. And uh, we ran like 27 and a half miles that day, and I hadn't done anything more than a half marathon in months. So that was literally the longest run I'd ever had in my life. Um, and it was longer than a marathon. And I was going to do that a year later. So uh, I said to John, well, what do you think's next? He goes, oh, Green Lakes uh, 50Ks in two months. Why don't you do that? So I said, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> and he said, you'll be fine. You'll be ready. Um, I wasn't ready, actually. Uh, my first Green Lakes 50K was a little bit of a disaster. I finished like um, in six hours. I'm not trying to say any of you finish in six hours. I'm not trying to say that's a disaster. I was a wreck. I I could barely finish. I could barely walk afterwards. Um, But I was like super pumped that I had finished it. You know, like I was like, yeah, here I am two months after this first trail run. You set a goal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then things started to speed up really, really quickly. Um, It was just like a couple of weeks after that. Um, a guy that I ran high school cross country with that we were connected with on Facebook that I didn't really know that well. All of a sudden I get this email blast or messenger blast, me, a few other people on it. 
everybody in, everybody in. The you know signups are open for the Georgia Death Race, and I was like, what the heck is this? So I clicked the link. And, you know, a lot of you have probably seen the website. There's, like, skulls. Looks like you're in the catacombs or whatever. There's, like, dripping blood off letters, and you're all going to die. And I was, like, 70 miles or whatever Runbum calls it, 64-ish, 82-ish. It's always changing. Um, <clears throat> so I said to Pete, uh, Pete Coleman is the guy that sent it to me. I just said, you're crazy. I just did a 50K and almost died. I can't do this. He's like, no, you can do it. Um, and that that – I don't know, something about the way Pete phrased it, I just signed up. And then I was like, okay. That was like in, you know, whatever, late, maybe October or something. And then the race yeah. was in March. So I had yeah. to like just get April going. April Fool's Day, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. And um, that that was when I really started to get to know Pete Coleman better too. And Pete's been like a huge influence on my running. He's just like super supportive. Uh, he's crewed me um, at a couple of races uh, he's an amazing athlete in and of himself, but he's just got like a real gift for inspiring people. I would bet that some of your listeners know Pete. Um, yeah, just it's if he's around an event, it's hard not to um, hard not to know him. <clears throat> so I trained and trained and trained for that uh, Georgia Death Race, and uh, I was scared to death going into that thing. Like I had no idea what was going to happen. Um, lined up. Uh, you know, at the start and just still a bundle of nerves and I had way too much gear, way too much water. I probably had five more pounds of gear that I needed because I was convinced I was going to be that guy on the mountain that had to get rescued by a helicopter or I was going to break a leg or who knows what. But I was pretty nervous. Um, and all in all, that race went pretty well. I finished in like uh, 18 hours, 40 minutes. Um, I was pretty sore, pretty banged up, but, um, you know, it's an epic race. Uh, that's why I ended up going back three more times. I just love that course. Um, I love the people there. Um, I love trying to handle that staircase at the end with the like 600 <laughs> stairs straight you up the waterfall. That, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first year I had to drag myself up it. And after that, I got a lot of, got a lot faster at it. So how do you feel about the railroad spikes? Yeah. You know, that that's like a really interesting feature of that race, you know, because like you are running. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, the morning of the race, you when you're checking in, you pick up a railroad spike, this dirty, rusty, yeah, gross. Ra gross railroad spike. And you got to carry it during the entire race. You got to figure out where to put it. Like if you just drop it in your pack, it's probably going to rip your pack and then cut into your back and all this kind of stuff. So people wrap it in socks, uh, you know, whatever they can find bags and then socks. So like nothing gets dirty. Um, and then you carry this spike for the entire race. And then when you cross the finish line, you hand Sean your dirty spike, or now you throw it in a coffin, which yeah. of course, mm. and then he gives you a, um, a cleaner one, a fresher one that has, uh, the name, the name of the race on it, Georgia death race. And then mm -hmm. that's your, basically your finisher medal, which is yeah. unique and pretty cool. And they look really cool displayed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a big trip for a big race and being a golden ticket race and yeah. all that. And, and a Western States qualifier, it's pretty big thing yeah doesn't have quite the media coverage and, and it's so. i think it's growing i mean the first two years i think it was the first two years i was in there was no lottery mm -hmm. and now of course there is a lottery and luckily the last two times i did it i got in um 
really happy with my third GDR. That was like a uh, 16 and a half hour finish, which put me at 28th place, which I was super happy about. And then I did it uh, this year, 2019, and it took me 21 hours. Tons of things went wrong, starting at mile 22. uh, But, um, yeah, I had all sorts of leg cramps, just like everything. I was walking by like 30 miles. It was Mm -hmm. just like a train wreck. Um, But looking back, I consider it maybe one of my best ultras ever because um, I really wanted to drop at mile 43. There's a big aid station there. My crew was there. They had a car. And that same guy, Pete Coleman, helped me. Uh, he was a master at help, helping me see reframe my race. Um, I was like, I can't walk this last 50K. Like, I'm miserable. Mentally, I was, like, done. But he really, in a span of maybe less than 10 minutes, got me to just focus on the next aid station. So I headed out of there, then the next, then the next, then the next. And then pretty soon I'm going up those stairs and coming down. And it wasn't pretty, but it was still Western States qualifying time. So, hey, I'll take there it. There you go. <laughs> so do you have your name in the Western States lottery? Um, Are you interested in doing that? Yeah, I've I've put it in every year that I could. Um, I have not gotten picked yet, but I'm going to keep trying. So you're four, you're four years in? Yes. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> so, you know, fingers crossed. Um, mm-hmm. That's definitely a bucket list item of mine. Last year, I, I put my name in the lottery for Western States, Hard Rock, and Leadville and didn't get into any of them. So <laughs> <laughs> You keep doing that, you're going to end up in all three. <laughs> yeah, at once. <laughs> <laughs> but you did get UTMB, so that's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't complain, right? So <laughs> I noticed on your ultra sign-up that you were a, uh, a DNS for Twisted Branch back in 2016. Yep. Um, and I'm trying to remember why I was a DNS in 2016, but I can't remember. Because I, I have been wanting to do this race. I keep reading about it. Um, I keep, uh, like, some people ask me, like, hey, have you done Twisted yet? Like, it's an amazing race. The mm-hmm. photos look great. I've talked mm-hmm. to people who have done it. So I am going to get there. Yeah. And I don't have to go through a big lottery, right? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> um, no, and I ask that because you, you have such an interest in GDR. Yeah. And, I I want to say the races are similar mm. in terms of, uh, and and I don't really know because I've not been down there, but people yeah. I talk to, in terms of course profile and in terms of like it's a hundred k, but it's really sixty four, right. sixty five right. ish. I would say that they're totally put on differently, though. Yeah, you know, you won't find skulls and <laughs> railroad spikes and coffins. Yeah, and twisted branch. Yeah, yeah. More like uh, you know. Um, Patagonia bars and uh, yep. free beer at the end. Hey, that know, sounds so. good to me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, all right, let's step back a little bit and uh, just talk about Rochester a little bit. You had mentioned that you went to college. Yeah. Here, right? So I went to college uh, at Roberts Wesleyan College, graduated in 2001. Um, went to college with a couple of people well-known to the trail community here. I think Ben Murphy and uh, Mike Lesher. Mm-hmm. Um, who I think does a lot of the tr- like photography for yep. races and also runs, but yeah, um, Mike's done a lot. Yeah, he used to do the Ascend Collective stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, yep. that was the name of it. I remember that. Yep. Um, I was a history major there and secondary education. Um, went into uh, teaching, um, <clears throat> and I lived in Rochester for a little bit while I was doing my uh, student teaching at a part time job down at uh, Spot Coffee. Is that still here? 
Yeah, I okay. used to have yeah. the one there. Yeah. yeah it's there. Um, and then, um, yeah, I, I didn't live here too long after college. Um, and then I've been kind of working in the education world ever since. But I have a lot of friends back here in uh, Rochester. Um, I've come back out for the Menden Trail Races uh, maybe 2016 or something. I don't, I don't remember exactly what year it was. Fun race. I loved yeah. that course. Uh, lot, it had a lot more elevation than I had Th- yeah. that I thought than I thought it was going to have. I just picture I'm like Rochester, Menden, flat. But yeah, yeah it was kind of deceiving. Yeah, the tails the tails <clears throat> some people will say it's a 1000 feet per loop and yeah. it's probably more like 800, but yeah. you know. It's somewhere in there. But yeah, yeah you do 3 or 4 of those yeah. you start to feel it. Yeah, definitely. Bit. So where did you where did you run? Uh, so Roberts is on the west side. Yep. Um, so you run the cross country there or where did you used to run? when? Yeah, I would run on the roads around there. And then, uh, I hope I have the name of this park, right? Cause I, I think this is where the cast of shadow is that black Creek. Yep. You yeah. Got it. So I would run, got around. it in one. <laughs> <laughs> so I would run around that park. Um, and of course, I mean, I wasn't running as far as I do now. So if I could get in five, six miles, mm-hmm. you know, that was fine. Um, but I mostly stuck to that, um, would occasionally go down to the trail that goes along the river down down by the college, down by the university. Yeah, like so go down, uh, say, like the canal pathway yeah, or yeah. through the greenway, stuff yeah. like that. Because yeah. we have uh, Little Falls, we're right on the canal too, so you can kind of assume that pretty much any town yeah. on the canal has some version of that, and it's yeah. going to be flat they're, and they're runnable. They're kind of all connected. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, you could do that. You could do the Little Falls to Rochester marathon. Yeah, that would be that would be quite a <laughs> quite an that, undertaking. It's like Beast of Burden times what? Well, yeah, if Beast of Burden's a hundred miles, but you, see, Beast of Burden, you're only covering twenty five yeah, miles, right? Right, you're just yeah, there and back, there. out and back, out and back. Yeah, yeah. So you could do you know Little Falls to Rochester. Got a couch in the studio. Yeah, here. yeah. And then all right, uh, we'll get a whole group together. Maybe you know what? Actually, probably. Um, John could probably do that, right? Oh, John, yeah. John Giesler, yep. just, you could just hop on his yep. shoulders. And, <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, if John can do 400 miles in three days. Then, right? yeah, yeah, I should be able to do 100 on a flat trail in one day. Yeah, yeah why not? Yeah. All right, All right good. We'll so line we'll it up. It. Little Falls to Rochester. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and back. And Yeah, Ooh, that's the double. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, yeah, I wanted to uh, like sort of step back and just talk a little bit about your running here in Rochester and just sort of get a feel for your trails and everything um, before we went to your town and sort of yeah. where you run there. And you said there's lots of hills and you get up to the Dax a bunch. Yep. But what's a typical running day in Little Falls look like? So um, <clears throat> I would say if I'm staying in town, which I often have to do during the work week, um, the r- the run that I really look forward to is our uh, Tuesday night runs. And this is when um, myself, uh, John Giesler, um, a guy named Dave Putney, and Paul Cirillo, that's like our core group. We meet every Tuesday night at 5.45 p.m. at the corner of this park. Um, and we have a couple of rules. One week, we run south of the canal, try to never retrace our steps. Next week, we run north of the canal, try to never retrace our steps. A different person leads we might go for an hour. We might go 20 miles. You never really 
No, it all depends on how people feel. And we do have other people join us sometimes. We've, ha we've had up to eight people, I think, uh, total. That was our biggest number. Um, but, for instance, when I was leading a few weeks ago, I pretty much tried to find every single hill I could north of the canal, and everybody paid dearly for it. It's like 2,500 feet of gain or so in just a couple hours. And uh, uh. yeah, <laughs> they didn't ask me to lead for a while after that. No. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> the young guy showing them up. Yeah, but it's um, it's got a lot of, uh, yeah, it's got a lot of hills, um, but a lot of nice little neighborhoods to run through. And then there are some trails um, right around our municipal golf course that are kind of fun to go through, kind of herd paths that are well-worn. Um, <clears throat> and once you get outside of the valley, if you're running on the roads right outside the city, um, you've got these great views of the Mohawk Valley and, um, you know, it's just like a really nice running experience. Very cool. But if you don't want to do a hill, you're going to have to like go down to the bike trail, basically. Go to the canal. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you have, um, do you have a, a local, you have a local running club. Do yeah. you have like a local shop? Um, what's that kind of uh, part of the community? Look That's like? a good question. I mean, the closest running store that we have is um, in uh, the sneaker store in uh, New Hartford, I guess it is, Utica area. Um, and that's, you know, that's a good 40-minute drive for us probably. Uh, going the other way, we'd have to go to Albany to go to Fleet Feet. Um, so we don't really have any kind of, like, um, cool running store like you guys have. Uh, I don't know if the population could support it, you know. Yeah. Um, Maybe, uh, but of course, you know, um, you got to have volume. And mm -hmm. so we don't really have it centered around an actual running store or business. Um, and the group's kind of like loosely formed. Uh, we have a big, big Strava group where we keep up with each other. Facebook, um, I'll occasionally plan challenges for us, like, uh, like a three fire tower challenge to see who can do it the fastest, that kind of thing, or else, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, something on the bike trail where you have to run out one way, ride your bike back, something like that, just to kind of keep things interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a pretty good, pretty big group on Strava. I think we have about 35, 40 people on it. Mm -hmm. So, so it's uh, Rock City Runners. Yeah. So Little Falls used to be known as Rock City, um, which is interesting because, like, I feel like Rock City. You're like, oh wow, tough, cool place, man. And then it's like, oh, I'm from Little Falls. Like, oh, that sounds cute, right? It's definitely more of a Little Falls place, not Rock City. But uh, there's a few businesses and groups in town that use that Rock City uh, moniker. And, you know, it just kind of rolls together, Rock City Runners. Mm -hmm. um, and we had a local guy design that. Um, uh, it's He and his wife own a business where they make greeting cards on 19th century letterpress machines. Oh, cool. Which is pretty cool. But he, he and his wife are both great uh, graphic designers, so... I hired him to uh, make that logo, and we've been passing around stickers and shirts and everything, and uh, the group yeah. is growing. Actually, it looks like you got 52 members. Oh, really? Group. We're growing then. We're okay. Going up. Yeah, I can't, I'm not even <laughs> keeping track of it. <laughs> yeah. I We have a, a podcast Strava group, too, and um, it's really fun to see the types of people that join into it. Um, yeah. It's not only just Rochester runners. There's some people from New York city and right. there's people from all over the place that join into it. So it's, you know, Strava is really cool in that way. Yeah. And I should say like, obviously Rochester covers a much larger geographic area than little falls. So we have runners from neighboring towns. And if 
maybe you were from Little Falls and now you live in another state, you can still kind of be included. So we don't have a tight uh, border policy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you've left Little Falls. You're out of the club. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's a pretty small group. Yeah. Well, that yeah. is neat, though. So you have um, you have an organized group. You got yep. a, you got 50 people on Strava, which is huge. Yep. Um, and you have you have some legends of the sport that are running around in there. Yeah. I mean, like I said, Changis, it can't be understated what what right. this guy does. Yeah. Um, I think even. I read that he has, is it the 48-hour American record? And not even like age group or anything. Right. I think it's a straight-out 48-hour yeah. American record. I believe that is correct, yes. So that's that's pretty cool. And he was yeah. on a national team, um, and, yeah. and he's going back. I mean, he's going back like when to do Western States, you were like tearing something out of Trail Runner magazine and filling it in with pen and then mailing it. Mm-hmm. to california yeah he's probably going back like we have a guy here jim minor i'm sure you've heard yeah. of jim Miner, yes i have who uh and john probably knows you know yeah. they're probably tight friends but they were probably running manito's revenge back when the only yeah. way you got in was by finding it on the back page yep. of you know ultra running yeah so i it, that's kind of neat like at and it's weird um, to have you be like, oh, I've only been doing it for three years and I ran UTMB. But who'd you run it with the first day? Right. right? You ran your first ultra with John. Yeah. And I don't think I'd even be doing 100s yet if, I, if it hadn't been for John. Yeah. And the experience of running with John, like one of the cool things about him is like you're running with some kind of like, you know, Old Testament prophet or something. He's like, <laughs> you know, the way he looks, um, he's not pretentious at all like he doesn't um really sell himself he loves to tell stories about his races but um you would just think he was a guy who ran a lot you wouldn't know if you didn't know him you didn't wouldn't know about all of his accomplishments just from talking to him but if you're running in the woods with him he's very likely to stop call you back hey i found a moose print like you got to come back here look at it um that first day i ran with him i we both ran out of water and uh he was like we'll just drink out of this stream. And, you know, at the time I said, I, I thought we weren't supposed to drink out of these streams. He's like, no, you'll be fine. I do it all the time. So I took a big gulp and I said, so you've never gotten sick. He goes, oh yeah, I've gotten sick. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I, I wish you had told me that before. I just took that giant gulp of stream water from, you know, I didn't get sick. And uh, I have since adopted this policy of drinking out of streams uh, in the Adirondacks. Yeah, uh, for better or for worse, toughens you up. Yeah, <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, John, I just <clears throat> looked up like just quick. John has a Vermont 100 in 1991 at 16 hours and 41 minutes. Yep, that's it's pretty real. That's moving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. So, <clears throat> all right, all right. Um, so we've gone in the way back machine, and we were in the last week machine. Um, what do you got coming up? Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, you, if, uh, you, you may have seen on my ultra, uh, sign up page, not only do I have a DNS at the 2016 twisted branch, but I have a few DNSs right in a row this year. I don't know if they all show up on oh, there. Yeah. But there's, well, there's, oh no, not this year. There should have been a Vermont 100 one on there. Yeah, um, I got you on there. But, oh, that's well, fine. all right. Um, Right, I was signed up to do the Vermont 100 with John, 
And um, as you probably can tell from going from 2015, 50K to UTMB, I was doing a lot of training. Mm -hmm. And as I said, I had hired a coach and I felt like every race I would get it done. And then I was like, okay, next one on the calendar, do a little recovery, but then I'm back in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of became, I think it just sort of became like just wrote, it was just like something I was doing after a while. Um, And I think doing UTMB kind of made other races, like it was hard to find something that might top that experience. Um, So without really realizing it until just a day before Vermont 100, that is when I realized I was getting like really burnt out. And I had some other stuff going on in my personal life that added to it. But I was packing up, getting ready to go, and I just said, you know what? I don't want to do this race. I do not want to do this race, and I don't have to do this race. So I called, I texted my friends who were going with me. I was like, I'm just not going. And that was like a breakthrough for me. I called my coach, and I explained it to him, and he said, uh, I said, I think I want to take a break from coaching. I just want to do some free-form running without, like, this race and all these, like, structured workouts um, he said, that sounds great. And if you want to pick up coaching again, just give me a call. But he said, I think you should listen to your body and just do that. So it's been great. Honestly, um, I'm still running. Um, and I've been doing things like running five K's and 10 K's with my friends. Um, a few weeks ago, I ran the fastest 10 K I've run in like probably 23 years. Um, which wow. I wasn't expecting. I think I'm getting more rested and, um, so that's a good thing. And then I've been looking for events that I can do um, that I plan myself um, without lotteries. I take lottery <laughs> losses really hard. It's an emotional <laughs> experience for me. Um, I like get off social media and stuff for a few days. I, uh, you know, uh, so um, one thing I have coming up is on September 14th, um, I'm going to run the length of every street in the city of Little Falls. Uh, to raise money for our local food pantry, um, <clears throat> which is operated by the YMCA. So I was trying to raise a thousand dollars, and uh, I'm already at like fifteen hundred, right around there. Wow! Um, awesome. Yeah. So I'm hoping to get that closer to two thousand um, by the time the fourteenth comes around. Um, I can even accept money a little bit after that. Um, I got the idea. I'm not going to remember the runner's name, but there was an ultra runner in San Francisco who set out to run the length of every street in the city of San Francisco, not in one day. Um, but also he's got a lot more to run. I think there's like 1600 miles of streets or something in San Francisco. So it took him a few months, but I thought it sounded like a cool concept and a cool way to kind of revisit the city in which I live and see the whole thing on foot, um, and put it to a good cause. And there's also, nobody can tell me I didn't get in that the events canceled, anything like that. It's, really in, within my control. Um, I've kind of put out the word that anybody can join me um, for all of it or some of it. Uh, maybe we'll get like a little Forrest Gump train going around Little so, Falls. So <clears throat> what's uh, so that uh, that runner was uh, Ricky Gates. Yes, yeah. yes. Ricky Gates, just, he comes up with all sorts of cool projects. Yeah. Um, what's the distance for every street in Little Falls? So um, I didn't know what that was, but our helpful city engineer, Chet, uh, told me. I love that your town is just yeah. this big. The yeah. lo- there's a local runner on each end of town. There's a big hill in the middle, and there's a guy named Chet. Chet, who knows everything. Um, yeah. So he told me that there's exactly 24.78 miles of streets. 
But of course, uh, we have some dead end streets, and there's some that I'll have to do uh, parts of. I'll have to do more than once in order to get to everything. So I'm guessing we're looking at something in the mid 30s. Okay. Um, so we'll see. Maybe it'll be worse than that. I don't know. Um, but it should be fun. I'm hoping uh, that people. A lot of people have asked me, "When do you think you're coming through like this neighborhood?" So I'm trying to give them ballpark times. They're going to be outside. Uh, Offering me a Utica club, perhaps. Perhaps, you know. <laughs> right? That's where they get them. Um, yeah, so that's a, that's a good 50K, and that's yeah. September 14th. Yep. So that's coming up. Coming up. And Next actually, this, this weekend, I'm pacing my friend Joe Spoon, an, an amazing runner, at um, uh, the Pine Creek Challenge. I've uh, done that Down in PA. Before. Oh, yeah. So yeah. He, uh, this is his first one. Uh, he's really in shape it looks like a pretty fast course it is very very flat yeah like it's flatter than the canal yeah it is flat yeah <laughs> um and i'm just looking i'm having fun with these like i told you about those training partners i also should mention um i really enjoy trail running uh with this girl lisa that i'm kind of sweet on we spend a lot of time together um <laughs> she's an amazing runner probably the most naturally gifted runner that i've ever met in my life um but her main thing is yoga. But um, we also, um, we just love getting out in the woods. And unlike maybe Paul and John and Dave, we're not really racing each other or really pushing each other. Um, we might even do some different routes, but we end up back at, this, back at the same point, go get something to eat. Um, I might be looping around a trail and find her doing a headstand in the middle of the trail mm-hmm. or something like that. But um, I'm enjoying that time too and those are like really enjoyable days for me even if uh i don't have some kind of specific workout in mind so running is uh i'm just trying to get like the spark back and i think that's happening um and i think i want to be able to do this on a regular basis like maybe every year four weeks six weeks maybe just kind of no schedule run as far as i want when i want maybe i don't run at all for a few days and just Mm -hmm. rest Well, time was when there was race season. Right. And and not race season. Yeah. And now it just seems like there's races all along. Yeah. And you mentioned like cast a shadow. So you could be not trail running or, you know, you might just be snowshoeing and getting out and doing things like that. Yeah, I do like doing snowshoe races. um, And I think probably by the time that season rolls around, I'll be ready to go back Mm -hmm. up and do um, there's a couple of marathons, snowshoe marathons I like to do in Vermont, probably go back up for those, but I want to get into ski mountaineering this year. I okay. want to, I want to try those races out. They look yeah, like sorry. a lot of fun. Yeah. So that's some work. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just like the running part. Man. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what I like. <laughs> so you're right. Um, so when I think of little falls, I think of you're two and a half house, two and a half hours closer to the Adirondacks than I am. Yeah. So I'm like, wait, you, that means you're only like an hour and a half away from the high peaks. Right? Well, no, well, actually, probably I probably two hours, right? Closer to like two and a half. Yeah. Okay. Um, but in order for me to get to the park, like the park proper, is only like a half hour. Yeah. And honestly, I spend a lot of my time um, on trails. I'm going to give away a big secret because no one else goes on these trails. I mean, John does <laughs> and a couple other people. But uh, in the extreme southern portion of the Adirondacks on my end, um, there's a town, There's the towns of Stratford, Arietta, 
um, tons of snowmobile trails, tons and tons, just go everywhere. And other than snowmobile season, almost no one goes on them, except for a couple of locations that have like a nice lake or something. Um, so I spend a lot of time on those trails. Uh, Lisa and I spend a lot of time on those trails. Paul and I go out there quite a bit. Um, you can just run for miles past beautiful lakes. You're not in the high peaks, but mm-hmm. um, they're amazing, and they're not overcrowded. They're nice and muddy. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I do try to get up to the high peaks um, you know, a few times in the summer, but as I'm sure you and a lot of the listeners know, it's like – super crowded that's why i was that's sort of what i was getting at is that you're right there and we have an entire adirondack park you you have to know that there's other places yeah you know yeah exactly there's there's a ton of non-high peaks yep right and there's just there's places that could use a little bit of trail maintenance and a little bit of trail use to keep them open yeah as opposed to you know more ruts right um and that's how i was thinking like i was thinking when you mentioned the northville placid trail um and the area around Pasico and stuff like that yeah um, long lake yep there's trails all over the place yeah. there you know? i mean there's so many trails and the northville lake placid trail i'm always amazed at how few people are on that um actually last year i tried to set the fkt on that trail um and i made it from Lake Placid to Pasico. Uh, it was like, it was that July. I don't know why I picked July. It was like 96 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, and then like I, all night there were thunderstorms. But anyways, I think I only saw like three people in 103 miles. Mm-hmm. And it's such a gorgeous trail. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great for running. Yep. You know, you don't There's really have a lot, a lot of mountains. Elevation. No. I don't understand how you can get from <laughs> yeah. Northville to Lake Placid. <laughs> And not have a mountain in between. Yeah, there's only that one. It's like a. It's a pretty good climb. There's that one just south of um, Long Lake. Like after you cross the road, there's like those two trailheads in Long Lake. When you cross, go in on the southern one, you go maybe a mile or so, and there's a climb. But it, I mean, it's maybe like 600 feet, and that's like the biggest climb. Yeah, that's so, it. It's yeah. just rolling, and you got lakes, and you got lean-tos yeah. and you got refuel areas and everything. Yeah, it's yeah. gorgeous. Although it is, when you're on the trail, there's no like cross trails or anything right. like that. It's just you're going point to point. Yeah, right. So it's like there's a few, but there to to go out like some of them. There's one near Perkins Clearing, but all that does is bring you to whatever that dirt road is on Perkins clearing, you're still in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> right. It's not really helping you at all. Yeah. So yeah, it's, so you, it's a big commitment. Yeah. And it's a lot. It's, you're going to go, if you're going to run 20 miles, you're either going to park two cars yeah. or you're going to do 10 out and 10, 10 back, back, you know, yep. but it's still amazing. Oh there, yeah. You know? So yeah, I think that's one of the things, I mean, we're hearing a ton about overuse in the high peaks and, yep. Um, parking, you know, they're finally enforcing parking on Route 73, which is like everybody's losing their mind. Yeah, about it. I and know. Like just it's parking rules. Yeah. Um, I was up uh, in Cranberry Lake area mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. And even there, like ampersand, just cars. Yep. You know, so. Yep. But then again, I parked at Panther Trailhead a little, you know, point six up and point six yeah. down. And it was great. You yeah. Know? Uh, Lisa and I just did Panther Last weekend, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was up there last weekend. Really? What, yeah. d- what day? <laughs> I was up, uh, well, let's see, the 20, it would have been probably the 23rd, 24th. Um, yeah. I don't, this was on yeah, 
Sunday we did it, I think. Yeah, Sunday. Huh. Yeah, I was up there. It was my uh, my. We got a new puppy, uh, Clara. She's eight months old, uh, and that was her first peak. Awesome. Yeah, <clears throat> she did Panther, and then the day after she did Cat Mountain. Oh yeah. So my dog's first two peaks are yeah. cats. Very cool. Yeah. So let's see. Where well, we if anybody at? is looking for, wants to try out some trails around Stratford, New York, uh, if you hit me up, I'll give you some really good rec- recommendations and places to eat and get a beer afterwards. So. Happy to pass that info along. There you go. That's exactly. <laughs> just join the Rock City Runners uh, Strava Club. Just and, follow. Uh, yeah, you'll see where I go. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. It was Saturday, Friday. Let's see. Yeah, Friday. So, yep. Yeah, it's a nice little mountain. Views of the lake are are nice. And my friend Scott and I did Cat this year too. We're doing. Well, he's done now. I'm not. We're working on that new six-pack challenge. I don't know if you heard oh, of this. Oh, the, the Saranac Sixer? No, this was a little okay. different. They match a peak with a brewery. So you, you hike the peak and then go to the brewery. And if you uh-huh. hit all 12, I guess, you know, six peaks, six breweries, you get a patch. Wow. So That's that's a new one. Yeah. I hadn't heard of that one. Um, <clears throat> six-pack challenge. All right. Got to find that for the Cat oldest. is one of them. So you got one down. You just got to go to the brewery. I think that brewery was... Uh, Bolton Landing, okay, brewing, which was good. Yeah, not a good bad beer there. one. Um, <clears throat> where did we go? We went to. We didn't go to Racket River because they were having a band, and we uh, had the dog, yeah. and it was yeah, really, yeah. really big there. So we we did not go to Racket River. Missed it. I won't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, it's one of the um, challenges of a podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool though. So you're gonna just try to do that just over time, yeah. Whenever. Yeah, he's done, but you know, I'll get it done sooner or later. Well, he so. can come back for you and yeah. give himself a, a nine pack. Yeah. So um, is it just New York? I'm looking and I see this one New England six pack. Of I kids. think it's spreading, or maybe New York got the idea. Um, yeah. So Bear Mountain, Greylock, Mansfield, Washington, Lincoln, and Camel's Hump. So. Mm. Camel's I've done hump. Camel's Hump. Yeah, that's a pretty good climb. I just did that uh, a couple of weeks ago. Did you see the uh, plane, the plane wreckage? On no, the we didn't. Hump? We went up um, Burroughs Trail. No, we went up. Yeah, we went up Burroughs Trail. So we went up the other side. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they don't really kind of. I saw the monument. For yeah. The, you know, but they don't actually tell you where the plane right. wreckage is. We went they, with a local. That's that's the only way we found it. We I don't yeah. think we would have ever found it. Yeah, they don't really kind of like you know, at, just like the um, the train wreck on a, or the train wreck on <laughs> Algonquin. That'd be really hard to crash yeah. a train into Algonquin. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see that. <laughs> <laughs> It'd have to be dropped out of a plane. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's cool. You got yourself a um, a little um, goal. Gonna raise some money for a food pantry. Yep. You're going to do some free running. Yep. And then you're going to register for Twisted Branch next year. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, wow. So what else is going on? We covered it all? I don't think we covered it all yet. Um, um, we needed to talk about how you get yourself through the doldrums. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things I like to do uh, from running ultras is kind of constantly reflect on what I learned from the different races that I do so that I can try to replicate the good things and fix the bad things and get better um, at the next time I go out there. 
Um, so I consume a lot of uh, books, articles by some um, authors and coaches that I trust. And one of them is uh, Alex Hutchinson. Um, some of you out there have probably read his new book. came out last year, actually, I think. Uh, it's called Endure. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't read it, I would highly recommend it, even if you don't do things like 100 miles, even if you're just doing um, regular road races. There's a wealth of information in there, and Alex kind of cuts through a lot of um, – the science that we don't have all the time to research ourselves. Uh, the book is basically about how your brain is is responsible for a lot of our perception of how how long, how fast we can run, um, and that there are certain tricks that you can do to get your body to keep going even after you kind of feel like you need to give up. Um, <clears throat> so obviously running 100 miles, these are tricks that um, are worth a lot. <laughs> Um, so one of the things that I really honed in on that I learned in his uh, book is this concept called positive self-talk. And it's not like he invented it. Um, there's other articles out there about it, but this was my first like in-depth encounter with it. Um, and it's this idea that you develop some phrases while you're running, um, and this has been scientifically proven to, uh, to work. Um, you develop phrases that you use when the race or the workout is going well. Like maybe you say, like, I'm doing well, uh, keep going, this feels good. Um, Whatever kind of phrase works for you feels natural. And then you come up with phrases for the inevitable time when things are not going well. Um, Things like push through this or you've trained for this or take the pain or, you know, again, whatever phrases kind of feel good for you. Um, You practice them during training runs. Make sure you memorize them. And then when it comes time for a race, you kind of put these things into effect. Um, So I kind of really hit that hardcore um, after reading the book. And um, I use it all the time now. I've been – I've actually given a couple of like talks to groups of runners, like presentations about it, gotten them to use it. Um, And I feel like it's really made a difference um, in how I perceive the amount of effort that I'm putting forth, which allows me to kind of deal with the difficulties of the race – longer into the race, um, keep a better attitude and all these things influence, you know, what your body's doing and how you're feeling and ultimately helps you go further or faster depending on what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, years ago, uh, I had an opportunity to listen to Dina Castor talk Mm -hmm. and Dina Castor very much, um, has a similar idea. She called it like her spin zone though. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Yeah. She would say like, you know, um, the nerves before a race was her body celebrating that the training is over, Mm -hmm. you know, and that it's time to go run. And she said like, yeah, if my left hamstring is cramping up, I would say, well, my right hamstring is doing (laughs) awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she had a lot of that same idea. Um, and, she just talked about how the it's really easy to go down a hole, but if you practice bringing yourself out of the hole, it's really easy to get out. But a lot of people don't practice it. Practice. Yeah. Don't, don't put themselves in a position until they need it. And that you got to do it before that. Yeah. The practicing is key. Uh, the study that Alex mentions in his book, um, involved two groups of cyclists where, they at first they had both groups ride until they just couldn't ride anymore got exhausted on a stationary bike and then one group they taught how to use positive self talk and they had them practice for 2 weeks 
then both groups did the same exercise again. And the group that had practiced positive self-talk went 18% longer than the group that didn't. And the group that didn't practice actually reported using some of that self-talk. Because I think naturally we do that. We we have a war in our heads. We're like, this is awful. I'm going to die. Then there's this like, oh, you can do this. Keep going, right? Um, so even though that they used some of it, since they hadn't practiced it, it wasn't really thoughtful. They hadn't thought about the phrases. Um, so I think you're exactly right, and she's exactly right. That practice is key. That muscle memory, mm-hmm. like get it in there so that it's automatic. Yeah, and it's done, you gotta get past it feeling silly. Yeah, then you because you will feel feel silly at first. <laughs> yeah, but then you gotta get past the point of where mm-hmm. you're. It, you have to have it be a natural thing, right? Yeah. And I guess that's why there some people um, experience it looks like yeah. right, but it might just be. Um, that they are practicing right. those kind of techniques. Yep. And yeah. I think, um, you know, the it's not going to totally change your race. I mean, you, you know, it's not like you can just not train and then talk yourself through a marathon or something. Mm-hmm. But um, you find some of these key things, little things, and they start to add up over time. And, um, you know, I found that this is definitely one of those things that has a lot of leverage. Yeah, it's like... Uh, it's one of your tools in your yeah. toolkit. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, you said you read a lot and you digest a lot. Do you have other um, favorites of yours that come to mind? Yeah. So um, there's a book, uh, The Essentials of Ultra Running or Training, Ultra Running, something like that, by Jason Koop, K-O-O-P, mm-hmm. who is you know a coach to some of the best distance uh ultra distance runners out there. Um, and that book basically looks at the top 10 reasons why people drop out of ultras. And then he shows you how to, um, mitigate those reasons for dropping out anything from, uh, you know, cramps to, uh, uh, upset stomach. And again, no surprise. It all comes back to the biggest reason these things happen is because people didn't practice them in their training. Mm-hmm. Um, so that book's been very helpful. I also just finished a brand new book, um, called the rise of the ultra runners. Um, I'm going to butcher the guy's first name. So I'm just going to say his last name, which is Finn F I N N. He's yeah, written a few other books. It's like Adirat. Adirat. Yeah. Adirat Finn. Yes. Yeah. If you say it fast, it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's written some other interesting books. I just finished his one on, uh, uh, called the way of the runner about Japanese running culture mm-hmm. I've read uh, Running with the Kenyans. Yeah, I have him. yet to, to get to that one. That was a lot of fun. That was uh, one of the parts of that that stuck out with me was he was talking. Um, it was written around the Born to Run time, but not exactly. Like yeah. the idea of Born to Run was still really fresh and the barefoot running and the natural running yeah. kind of stuff. But he was saying like how the rewards um, for winning a race were a new pair of shoes. But if you look at who's winning the race and who's wearing the shoes, <laughs> right. the people wearing the shoes are not winning the right. races. And right. that was just a really funny kind of juxtaposition that stuck out to me during that. But that was a fun little book, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Finn actually ran UTMB with me last year. I mean, I didn't know at the time. Um, but the book is all about his foray into ultra running and then leading up to UTMB. So. Um, it's a, it's really interesting. It brings in some research and science, but it's also, if you love ultra running, you'll just really love his story Mm -hmm. of like doing comrades and, Mm -hmm. um, the mistakes he made, the things he learned, the friends he met, the interesting people he knows, uh, really enjoyable. 
Yeah. Um, a, uh, uh, a friend of mine who's, who's also been on the podcast, uh, Davin Oskvig, uh, just recommended to me a book called On Sundays We Go Long. Oh, I've heard of this book. Yeah, and it's like four or five um, middle-aged guys like after their college days and everything. And so they're all dealing with their own kinds of life, but they have their tradition of they they yep. run long on yeah. Sundays and but it weaves their lives into their story and all that. So I just I ordered a copy of it this week, but I haven't nice. opened it up, but Yeah, I'll have to get yeah. I'll have to get that one. There's also one called um Good to Go. Um the author's last name is Ashwanden. Um, this book's really good. I mean, I think we all know that there's all this recovery stuff out there available to us, whether it's like massages or compression socks and, you know, you name it. Um, this book is all about researching what really works and what really doesn't. Um, spoiler alert, most things don't actually have any say, evidence of working. I was going to say, I don't <laughs> think I can read this because I got a lot of things that don't work yeah. that, that I really need. Yeah, and uh, basically it comes down to like getting a lot of sleep. That's like the single biggest thing you can do. Um, but there are some really interesting um, uh, nuggets in there about things that do work. So if you're out there feeling like inundated with all these sports drinks and recovery tools, I would highly recommend this book to help you kind of sort out what you need and what you don't need. Oh, her name is uh, Christy, Christy yeah. Schwanden. Yep. And uh, she's from the 538 site. Yeah. Ooh. She used to work with Nate Silver, yeah. There you go. So that's some stats. Exactly. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know about this one. <laughs> I know. Even a massage, you know, she. I, I used to get a massage like once a month. Uh, but what she... To give you an example, right, like the placebo effect is probably the most powerful thing out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, she said, there's really no evidence that the actual massage is helping you, but think about what you're doing when you get a massage. You're lying in a quiet room, not moving, yeah. and taking time for yourself. You're resting. So she's yeah. like, if that makes you feel better, then just keep doing it. Well, I mean, sitting around telling yourself that your right hamstring is working well isn't, <laughs> right. isn't also helping you <laughs> right. either, but right. it does. Right. So if it yeah. works, do it. Yeah. So that's um that's that's a fun little uh, stroll through some um, written media. Um, I used to listen to a lot of audiobooks when I was training mm -hmm. um, for my first marathon, and I always tell this story. But it's weird because we just talked all this positive self talk and yeah. science and. Motive. I listen to um, if you if you know any like epic fantasy books. I listen to the Wheel of Time series. It's a big, sweeping, epic fantasy about the end of the world and mm -hmm. magic and all that. And uh, nobody smiles in it. For And these books are like 27, 30 hours each. Oh, wow. Nobody smiles. And then I was listening to the Song of Fire and Ice series, you know, Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, I have heard same, of those. At the same time. Wow. Nobody smiles in those either. You so, like some depressing stuff. Well, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> until like I got through all my training and I was like, I would make the list of everything I listened to and all that. And yeah. I was like, ugh. You know, I did listen to uh, Dean Carnass's Fifty Fifty, so that was mixed in there. Yep. But mostly, it was like <laughs> just ugh, depressing stuff. So did that help you? I or? don't know. I mean, I got through those books, which yeah. was great because I always wanted to. And you got through your training, and that's when I had the time. Yeah. So I mean, I got the books, but it was you know the twenty milers. There, it's distracting certainly, yeah. but 
No, I don't know. I don't. I think they were entertaining. But yeah, boy. I was like, I'm, I'm taking a break. <laughs> I never, I never finished the Game of Thrones series because of that. So I've taken like a six year break from it. <laughs> I actually usually don't listen to anything when I run. Yeah. Uh, no I, music, no podcast. I mean, every now and then on a treadmill, I might because that's just that's yeah. brutal. But other than that, I try to. Uh, I mean, you know, it's like a personal thing for me. It doesn't seem to help me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't anymore. Cause I'm running trails, but out on the roads and it's just yeah. like, mm, and well, and I think the headphones are becoming a problem on the trails because people can't hear you coming up. Like there's all these problems. Create. I noticed some racer races say they're either banned or you can only wear one. Yeah. Um, well, you should really have an awareness of what's going around. Right. You, right. But some people just need to yeah, zone out. out. You need to get rid of that yeah. stuff, you know? Yep. Oh boy. Tom Brady's infrared pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, yeah, take a guess about uh, whether or not those are proven to work. Or not. Oh, those absolutely work. <laughs> I, I, he's Tom Brady. They work. Yeah, they um, must. <clears throat> cupping. Hmm, man. Okay, cryo chambers. Oh, boy. Yeah. Christy's going to ruin it all. <laughs> it's like that uh, podcast, Adam Ruins, Adam ruins everything. everything. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of what it feels like while you're reading this. Um, <laughs> and I always wonder about the people she references in there that she talks to that are like, oh, no, this works. And I think like, man, if I'm that person reading this book, yeah, I don't I'm know. Like, wow, I shouldn't have taken that interview. Well, you could do that with ultra running, right? Like, oh, pickle juice. I need yeah. pickle juice. Yeah. Pickle juice doesn't work. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I need noon. Noon doesn't work. Right. Oh, I need tailwind. Tailwind. I need this right. particular amino acid. Yeah. Know. Everybody's okay. going to say it doesn't work, right? Yeah. Like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They're bad for you. They sit in your gut. Yeah. yeah. Well, they've been a staple of ultra running yeah. for 30 years. Right. You know? Right. So everybody's got an opinion, but it sounds like maybe she's got science. So, yeah. yeah, I think she's saying just basically if you really like something that makes you feel better, do it. But just know about w- whether or not the claims are true or not, you know. Yeah, run <clears throat> run another hill or something. Yeah. Right? Like, yep. That should Get some more sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Josh Rossi, who was just on the podcast, on the wall of his gym, he basically has this scrawl that says, no one cares, train harder. Yeah. That's like his mantra. Yep. And I kind of think of that. Oh, the pickle juice. No, nobody cares. Just train harder. Well, I mean, I think our whole, the whole culture seems to be obsessed with these hacks, life hacks, like how to hack, how to get to things without actually doing the work, how to get around the work, how to get around training, how to get around studying. Um, And I just think that's probably not a good way to look at things. I think the best way to do things is like to put in the work that's required and you'll see the results. But the hack culture, I think... I mean, I'm sure it's got some uses, but I think it's um, ultimately kind of undermining our ability to really um, sustain training and focus and really, you know, do the work to get these things done. Yeah, I think it might have started in a good place with, like, efficiency. And, yeah. But I think, yeah, it's it's jumped the shark in some areas. Definitely. But if you like running, then it put in the time running. Yeah, right? like, exactly. I mean, I, I always... Um, Scratch my head when I'm sure you know this. Any ultra, and look, it happens to everybody, but sometimes it seems to happen to some people all the time. It's kind of like a badge of honor. You show up, you're like, oh yeah, I didn't really train for this hundred miler. Um, <laughs> I just think like, geez, this race is already hard enough. Why are you making it harder by not training? <laughs> um, and I think sometimes like the, the social media culture kind of mm-hmm. plays into this too. Like 
whether you finish or not, you're there, you got a photo of you at the starting line, you know, you get some clicks and you make it 20 miles and, um, <laughs> you still get a lot of like kudos and, and whatnot. But, uh, I really think like the best thing to do is train, prepare yourself as much as possible for that race for yourself and for the, um, benefit of the other runners who want to really compete with people who have also trained. So yep. I think, uh, do the work as much as possible. So speaking of that, um, you mentioned a hundred milers and I did want to talk, maybe we'll finish up by talking about the, uh, infinitus. Yeah. Infinitus. I can't do it. So yeah. The, uh, this endurance society. Yeah. They are an interesting crop of people, huh? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, first off, their logo is just yeah, crazy. I mean, <laughs> and when you, their finisher medals are like the size of a dinner plate with that logo <laughs> engraved on it. So they're, you know, they're the most amazing finisher medals that you can get. Um, if you can look them up online, but basically it's a skeleton with a sword in a sheath crawling on the ground. And there's Latin uh, that says the Endurance Society. And then it says mental strength or physical strength and mental fortitude in Latin. Um, yeah. but he's also crawling through yeah. like a uh, Mobius strip. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> it's a very, um, it's a very interesting group. It's leader. Andy Weinberg, um, was actually one of the, um, guys who originally started the, uh, Spartan races. Hmm. Um, and he is one of the best race, race directors I've ever met in my life. Um, you meet him once he remembers your name. He designs very challenging events, but they're also um, there's usually something there for everyone. So at this Infinitus event, um, you can do anywhere from an eight mile to a 888 kilometer race, um, and in between that is like a marathon, an 88k, uh, a 100, a 250. Um, so. It happens over the course of a week. They have the other one, the DECA, the DECA yeah, marathon. Yeah, the DECA marathon. Which doesn't seem that bad. No. Right? When you, no. When you put it in the shadow yeah, of an of, 888K. Right. Yeah. But it's 10 marathons in One marathon days. a day for 10. You can't yeah. do any more than one per right. day. So you one can't like bank anything. 10 days in a row. Yep. Yeah. And th- that's a pretty difficult marathon. That course um, is not easy. It's a figure eight course. That's it kind of all, everything's in eights, like the infinity symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I originally that was going to be my first 100 um, back in 20, whenever. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I missed it uh, for a family reason and ran Old Dominion instead, but came back and signed up for the 100. Um and this course, I mean, you know, it's typical Northeast running. Um, you're not necessarily always getting a lot of great views, but you are getting a lot of mud, and you get to look at a lot of trees that you become familiar, intimately familiar with over the course of the race. Um, the uh, the weather that day was um, pretty rough. Um, we <clears throat> it was like really hot during the day, um, just like flies everywhere you know getting eaten alive by insects um just they're like a really tough daytime out there and then as we went into the nighttime uh the weather broke and we had like pretty much thunderstorms all night long so of course doing this figure eight you're just constantly coming back to the start finish so you can start to see where you're placing and how you're stacking up and what we were seeing was a lot of people dropping out just be mainly because of the conditions um 
And then, so what you're usually doing is like a seven, seven to eight mile loop and then a 20 mile loop. And then, it's, you know, you just keep doing this over and over again. But then at the end, you have to do back to back 20 mile loops. And by this point of the race, you're not seeing anyone. You're just kind of running out there by yourself. Um, you know, it's raining. It's pretty miserable. Um, and I came in thinking that maybe I was like in third, something like that. But I crossed the finish line and Andy was like, congratulations, you won the 100-mile race. And, you know, I was shocked. <laughs> um, again, I think it goes to like a mental standpoint. Um, I definitely felt like quitting a couple of times, but I think – um, I had been putting in a lot of time on working on that like mental stamina because um, physically I felt okay. Um, but just dealing with those conditions and like the loneliness out there and not really being able to look at much. Um, I think that's really what kept me in the race on paper. The runner, some of the runners that dropped out ahead of me were definitely better than me. Um, if you look at their times. Um, but yeah, I would really encourage anyone out there if you haven't done an endurance society event to look it up. Um, it's kind of like a, a race and a social event at the same time. Um, you'll meet a lot of fascinating people from the Northeast um, uh, and elsewhere. <clears throat> um, yeah, and they're they're in Vermont. Yeah, so, I mean yep. it's nice. Run, Vermont yeah. ain't flat. Yeah, but it's nice out there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, eighty-eight k, which is a nice distance for some yeah. folks, right? They're not yeah. quite at a hundred k. A little bit over 50 miles. Yep, you know? and you can camp for the whole the whole time you're there. You pay 12 bucks to camp in this field. And um, what's good is by having those different distances, like this past year from the Little Falls area, I think we had like 10 or 12 people go up. And some people just ran the 8-mile, but it allows us all to be able to hang out there together. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, normally if I'm going to do a 100, I've got maybe one person that's going with me. Um, yeah. but obviously no one else is going to do the event. Um, but you know, you can bring, if you have kids, you can bring kids. Maybe you guys do the eight miler. Someone else is running the marathon. You're all meeting back up at the mm -hmm. same place. So it can be like a fun for all ages, all skill levels. Um, and you'll find that it's not a very pretentious environment. Um, all abilities are welcome and celebrated. It's just a really great organization. Yeah. <clears throat> And you won it, so that's yeah. I mean, you know, if uh, that felt really good to win a one hundred, you know, um, there is no doubt about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it does it does look like more dropped out than finished, as you said. In, yeah, in twenty eighteen. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think we I think we about ran the gamut. Yeah, there, I think so. You know? Yeah. Well, thanks for making the drive. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I <laughs> love talking about running. So. You this look is, like you're still great. awake. I feel like you'll be able to safely oh, yeah. pilot your vehicle yeah. home. I'll so. be home. Hopefully I don't see any like glowing stones or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you my Oil Creek stone. Yeah, you, yeah, definitely. Like, go out there. <clears throat> All right, man. Well, um, let's wrap this up and we'll get out of Dodge. Sounds cool. All right. All right. Well, there you have it. We went from the uh, hills of... Little Falls to the hills of Chamonix to the hills of Amazon <laughs> and uh, up to uh, Vermont. So um, check out a bunch of the links. I'm going to have a lot of links in this episode in the show notes, uh, especially links to um, John Geisler's uh, results. So you can check that out. Things like the Infinitus. Um, 
infinite. <laughs> Say it with me, folks. Say it with me. Um, we also have uh, Rob's Run Every City uh, news article, and inside that article, you can find a link to donate to the food pantry. Thank you. All sorts of cool stuff in there, and even we'll even throw in a little link to the uh, Rock City Runners Strava group. So, bunch of stuff out there. Uh, the show notes are at runningincideoutpodcast.com slash zero eight eight. You oh, and look at that infinitus, and you land on <laughs> you land on eighty. Shows up everywhere. <laughs> um, so uh, you can find those at runningincideoutpodcast.com slash zero eight eight. As I said, you'll also find my Strava Run Group, the Running Inside Out Podcast Run Group, and the Patreon page. So thank you all to this month's Patreon supporters. Uh, your continued financial support keeps helping me put on this podcast. Uh, new this month joining the group is uh, Stephen Savoka. So thank you very much, Stephen. I uh, really appreciate that. I sent Stephen a weird note in the middle of the night when I was all blurry-eyed. <laughs> and I went to the bathroom and I saw it said, hey, you got a new Patreon supporter. So I was like, thanks, Steve. I really appreciate because I really like to send out those thank yous. But uh, maybe I should have saved that until morning. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry about that, Steve. Um, I, I think it was probably more confusing to you than anything else. So, um, But I do appreciate the support. And we will be seeing a, uh, a little Patreon thing popping up. Um, I did also want to say there was a there is a one-time donation link that uh, people have found. And so that is... Um, Chris uh, Chris Sanzone actually found and resurrected that link. And Chris has done stand-up comedy in his past. So I'm a little interested to mm. see how stand-up comedy and trail running uh, blends itself together. That could that could be some real positive yeah. self-talk. Yeah, I got to hear that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Chris is running a... Um, he is going to be running the Rochester Half Marathon. So that's pretty exciting. Um, I did mention the unlimited breadsticks marathon that is happening around the same time as well. Um, it is unlimited breadsticks. Wow. So there's that. Um, so anyways, thank you all, um, for supporting the podcast. I truly do uh, appreciate it. And, uh, what else do we got? All right. Um, Keep in mind, the number one way you can always support the show is to tell a friend and to help them subscribe. And if they seem interested, just, you know, and they say, oh, I don't know, I don't, I don't listen to pot. I don't get it. I don't, how do I even listen to what? Just take their phone and push in the buttons, dial runninginsideoutpodcast.com, put it on the voicemail and let them uh, do their stuff. Subscribe them physically is what I'm saying. People don't know. Break down that barrier for them. Um, one last thing, I'm always interested in your comments and feedback, so drop me a line at chris at runninginsideoutpodcast.com. Let me know your thoughts. Thank you all for listening, subscribing, and telling your friends. Thanks for sharing your stories and getting out there to create more stories. Until next episode, be thankful for what you've been given, be proud of what you've achieved, and let go of what you've lost. See you out there.